0: Warning, this episode contains spoilers, coarse language, and...
1: In all seriousness, the subject of this episode is a film about rape, torture, and other acts of brutality, so please proceed with caution. And if you'd prefer to skip this episode, we totally understand.
0: question whose okay. idea was this this was i'm blaming you Noel.
1: okay well it was because we did the john carpenter series and we wanted to do elm street well we could
0: have just did elm street and hills have eyes can we never do i spit on your grave like if someone
1: requests that i'm just going to judge them it depends on who the person is and if it's someone that we want to discuss that film with. Okay. If it's someone where we'll have, like, a good, intelligent discussion like we're having here, then yeah. If it's someone who's like, dude, that was awesome. No, I don't want to talk about it with them.
0: Uh Mac, anyway, never request I spit on your grave, okay? You I love you, you but thank Remember you. Remember when I worked
2: at the movie theater, I had to project it?
0: You never had
1: to project I spit on your grave?
2: Yeah, I did. No, you oh, did. no, not I spit on your grave. It was drag me to hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, the... Very not big e- difference between those two movies.
2: Yeah, like, no, not even close. It all starts to blur together when you're working in a theater, I'm it's sorry. It's
1: really not even like... It's I Spit not... on Your Grave is literally an hour of watching a woman be raped. Yeah. A fully nude woman, pretty graphically raped, and then the second hour is her violently getting revenge, while still naked, most of the time. Of course. It's basically Last House on the left, but even trashier and more grindhouse
2: Mm. Yeah. Lovely.
1: I've seen it twice, and the only way I can get through it is because the DVD has a hilarious audio commentary by Joe Bob Briggs, mm-hmm. who used to have this great show on TNT called Drive-In Theater. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I could watch this movie. I don't want to see the remake. <laughs> like, yeah. If anyone actually requests that movie of
0: us, um, I'm going to judge You're gonna them. You're going to punch them. Well, no, I'm going to judge them. harshly. Like, so much judgment. Oh my god, the judgment you can't even imagine. <laughs>
1: There's going to be so much. Judgment. If we have like wants to talk about her, I'm like, sure. Yeah,
0: I don't think she's going to want it. No, though. she's
1: not going to, though.
0: Yeah, because it has more sense than that. The people who would want to discuss it, we would not want to discuss it with them. Yeah. The people that we would want to discuss it with, they don't want to discuss it because they have more sense than to be like, yes, I do want to discuss that completely horrible movie. that just. Yeah, no.
1: we won't voluntarily put it on the schedule. We'll see. Yeah. It's like Maniac. It depends on who's asking.
0: I think there's one like Mother's Day. I'm like, I'm not watching the original. I'm not. Yeah, Mother's no. Day,
1: I don't mind. But yeah, again, it depends on who's asking.
0: I'm not watching trauma movies.
1: No. Yeah. They're not high on my priority list either. Yeah. If someone wants to be a really
0: big trauma fan, um, no. It's, I don't care. I'm not watching trauma movies. So, no. <laughs> I'm putting my, like, I, I will not be on that episode entirely because I will not watch a trauma film. Well, I'll get a guest co host. Matt can do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like. And she's gone. <laughs>
0: Matt's like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> it's what you're thinking of. Don't even try to deny it, because you know you're like, bitch.
2: <laughs> I can either confirm or deny these allegations. I plead the fifth.
0: Yeah, we're actually in Canada, so you can't plead the fifth.
2: Seeing as we're Canadian?
0: Yeah, we don't actually have the Fifth Amendment because we don't have the Declaration of Independence since we're in Canada. So I'm sorry, you're gonna well. have to self-incriminate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably uh, finally get started with part two.
0: No. We should. I like this better. This is. Bad. Let's go back to that. I'm gonna this. have
1: to cut and paste half of this into the show,
0: anyways. I am aware. I don't. I don't want to.
1: Although this Come one on. isn't bad. All right. Welcome everybody to part two of the latest episode of I Hate Love Remakes. I am Noel. Joining me again is Evie. I swallowed the bug. When we're talking about these particular films, especially with how the last one ended, you don't want to talk about what you swallowed. no
0: oh, I was try- I was gonna do the River Tam thing, and I was just like, I got nothing.
1: No, it's just the a- I got I got nothing. You tried, and it was
2: admirable. I don't want to be here. Let me go.
1: Uh, joining us again is Mac, a.k.a. Matilda Hare.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me again.
1: Thank you for agreeing to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be here. We don't want to do this episode, so yeah. it's kind of surprising <laughs> that you agreed to do it with us.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't leave you guys alone to face this. You, need to you back could have. Up. We
1: would have had to be, like, <laughs> by ourselves. Like... You were literally the only person we could get to agree to do this.
0: Yeah. No. I asked
1: other people, and they're like, no. No, no, no. Nope. And Evie's like, I'll get Mac to do it. And you did. <laughs> no, seriously? Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> just don't want to watch this movie, period. Especially the, Can you blame them, Especially <laughs> the people who have seen this movie don't want to watch this movie. Or not not the specific one we're talking today, but the original. Okay, fair that, enough, All yeah. we did was talk the remake. I think we would have probably at least had at least one taker that wasn't you. But yeah, you go to like, oh, we have to watch the original too. They're like, nope. Yep, there's so many people who have seen the original and never want to see it again. And part of doing this series is you, you have to watch it again. Yep. So, uh, Evie, you want to tell us what we're talking about today?
0: No. <laughs> it's The Last House on the Left from 2009, which is the remake of the 1972 film.
1: Yes, and this one was directed by Dennis, I'm not sure, is it Iliandus? Leonidas? Le- Leonidas? I can't tell if that's a capital I or a capital L. It's an I, and then an L, and then an I, and then so an it's A. it's Yeah. It's the fancy form of John Landis. Yeah. <laughs> and it was written by Adam Alica and Carl Ellsworth. And Carl Ellsworth is, of course, the... Um, Wes Craven produced this film and was very heavily involved in the development of it. And Carl Ellsworth is, of course, the guy who wrote Red Eye for him, and then also co-wrote Disturbia. Yep, he did that. Red Eye, I have some... I like the script more than I like the movie, but it's still a good movie. And I really like Disturbia. Not that Disturbia is a fantastic movie, but I really like it.
0: It makes you happy, No, Don't have to apologize for it making you happy. You do have to apologize for how much you love Shia LaBeouf, though, but, you know.
1: I can't hate the guy. I grew up on Even Stevens. I'm
2: sorry. The only thing I can think of whenever anyone says Shia LaBeouf right now is <laughs> actual cannibal full
0: Shia, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf yeah. <laughs> Me too. Coming with a knife. <laughs> Wait, what? Have you not heard that song? No. Wow, you need to <laughs>
2: <laughs> And it's even an old joke, but still. It's
1: still funny. Still Someone funny, to sweetie.
2: To him. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> so Adam Alica has literally no other screenwriting. Cre- yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> ha- has literally no other screenwriting credits. He's one of those guys who like sold a spec script that hasn't been made and has just kind of been doing studio assignments. And he wrote an early draft where it had a big supernatural twist, and Wes Craven was like, no, and brought in his red-eye writer. <laughs> and Dennis Idiondis. his only other film prior to this was a Greek film called Hardcore, which I don't really know much about. And it's been four years since Last House on the Left, and he only just now has another film coming out. So we don't really have much to talk about with the uh, careers of the people involved in this film. No, we don't. I yep. got nothing for you. Uh, But as I said, Wes Craven co-produced it, as did Sean Cunningham. The two of them actually reunited to work on the production of this film and both had a strong hand in the development of the material, so it's definitely worth saying that they were involved. So you know where to spread the blame. (laughs) So we should uh, move on to the film itself. Anything else you need to say before the synopsis?
2: I'm ready for the synopsis. I'm figuring Evie has some more screeching she may want to do.
1: No, I'm good. Okay. Okay. A year after their son's death, the Collingwood family decides it's finally time to resume their regular summer vacations at their isolated lake home. To give her parents a night to themselves, teenage daughter Mary borrows the family car and heads into town to hang out with her friend Paige. Against Mary's wishes, Paige strikes a deal with an awkward boy named Justin to score some weed, and the three teenagers end up spending a few hours getting stoned together in his hotel room. His family returns to the room earlier than Justin expected, fresh from violently freeing alpha patron Krug from police custody. He, his brother Francis, and his girlfriend Sadie are all violent psychopaths and are unwilling to let the girls go free because Krug's face is all over the news. So they take Mary's car and the girls and drive into the woods. She tricks them into taking the road leading to the family's lake home, but her attempt at an escape wrecks the vehicle and stirs the goons up into a rage. Krug decides to use this as a lesson in manhood for Justin, telling the unwilling boy to pick a girl to take. Paige makes a break for it, leading Francis and Sadie on a chase, but she's caught and Krug stabs her to death and lets her die in Mary's arms. When Justin again refuses to assault Mary, Krug rapes her himself. While everyone is deflated from the day's events, Mary makes a run for it, diving into the lake and putting into practice her love of swimming. But just as she's getting out of range, Krug catches her in the back with a bullet. With their vehicle wrecked, the gang cleans up and seeks refuge at the nearest home, which is, of course, that of Mary's family, and explain away their injuries as a result of an accident. With a storm brewing, the family takes them in, letting the stranger stay in their guest house. When Justin sees a picture of Mary and realizes this is her home, he leaves a necklace he recovered from her on the counter, and when the parents discover Mary herself, who's near death after spending several hours dragging herself up to the porch, the parents put together what happened and vow revenge. Francis is the first to die when he sneaks back to the main home to seduce the mother. The parents then slip into the guest home where Justin helps him take out Sadie, then Justin and the mother carry Mary out to a boat they can use to escape, as soon as they find the damn keys, while the father and Krug duke it out. Justin nearly dies when he attempts to take on Krug too, but the mother and father beat Krug down together. As the parents speed their boat away the next morning, Mary and Justin, still barely alive in the back, we flash back to Krug waking up to discover the father has paralyzed him from the neck down. His head is then set in a microwave where it cooks until it explodes. Edie, do you recommend this movie?
0: Um, meh, I guess. Like, like, don't go out of your way to see it, but it didn't have that same effect on me that the original did, so. I mean, just watching it, I was fine. I don't care, really. Okay. This is where I'm at at this
1: point. No, <laughs> like, I don't care. Okay. Do what you want! Mac, do you recommend this movie?
2: I'm actually gonna say yes, but it's gonna be something more along the lines of you don't need to go out of your way to see it, but if you get the chance, yeah, give it a shot.
1: I also recommend the movie. It's a very different style than the original, you know, with a much more cleaner cinematic style contrasted against the grimy, grindhousy style of the original, but I think it still has a very intelligent exploration of the material and of the story and There's just so many little flourishes that I like. I love the cast. I love the characters. I love the intelligence with which it explores the material. I actually really found myself getting really caught up in this film, and I hate to say it, enjoying it. Not the content of the film, but just the way in which it was made and the way in which it was presented. It's not a film that I feel as guilty about saying I enjoyed as I did the original. (laughs) So, with that, why don't we move into open discussion?
0: Yeah, this okay. movie's a lot easier to watch than the original. Like, that's why my is sort of like, eh, because I'm like, it's a lot easier to watch
1: than the original. And I'll agree to that, because there isn't that discomfort. Yeah, it's know? a much cleaner look to it, too. But that's not to say that it's more pleasant to watch, yeah. as I actually did still find myself affected quite a bit by a lot of the violence and the sexual violence on display, but it wasn't Regardless, as...
2: did you feel like it took away anything at all? Did that take away from the tragedy? Because there can still obviously be tragedy.
1: I think what it did was the original film, that roughness kind of gave it a realism. And this one, it's much more cinematic. And of course, it has familiar actors and everything like that. But it didn't take away from the honesty.
0: See, I feel like it did a little bit for me just because it had sort of this very cinematic kind of feel to it, wherein it didn't feel entirely real because of the production values and because...
1: Well, but there's a difference between realism and honesty. You know, something can be presented in an unrealistic way but still have an honesty to it.
0: Yeah, I guess I just... It didn't feel entirely real to me, and therefore I associate that with not being entirely honest.
2: So, like, there was some kind of major... This was the disconnect in this movie for you, then?
0: It's not a disconnect. It's just I'm... It, it you just di- weren't affected by it. Yeah, I wasn't as affected by it because I'm like, well, because it has such a polished look to it.
2: So how about rather than disconnect, let's say distance?
0: No, I just wasn't affected by it as much as the first one because it has a nice kind of cinematic polish to it. So it didn't affect me as much as when I watched the original and I'm like, I feel dirty and sick. Whereas this one, I'm like, I'm very much aware of the fact that I'm watching a movie and I don't really feel dirty or sick. I just sort of like, yeah, I'm watching a movie.
2: Isn't that kind of a distance? Because the first had that less polished look. And again, that gave that sense of realism. But then when you bring in this polished kind of Hollywood thing... And while it's still horrid, the things you're looking at, what you're describing, I hear just sort of a sense of distance from the actual actions in the film. You're still recognizing that it's horrid and that these are bad things happening, but there's still a greater amount of distance between you and the contents. Is that fair to say?
0: No, because you're basically you're just talking semantics at this point. It didn't affect me. It's not distance, it's just a matter of like, I'm aware that this is bad, but this movie doesn't make it seem as bad as when the, I watched it in the original. Whatever you want to describe it, it's just semantics what title you put on it. But it just, it didn't affect me the same way that the first one did. Okay, fair enough. I just like words.
1: <laughs> I like word making into sentence doing. <laughs> See with me, it was, I actually went in expecting that this wouldn't affect me as much. Mm -hmm. And it affected me in a different way in that having that bit of distance made me, again, I hesitate to say enjoy, but it made me enjoy this as a cinematic experience. It made me enjoy the experience of watching the movie, even though it's still an unpleasant story and unpleasant movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas the original, I can appreciate it, but I can't enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is it's like I can watch this as a movie, whereas that I can't watch it as just a movie. It's like at no point am I ever just sitting there watching the story happen. I'm constantly on edge and really uncomfortable. And with this one, I am taking in the movie as a movie and not just... It's a movie. It's not an experience, whereas that was more of an experience than a movie.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. The thing is, I will commend the movie. There is a lot of really great setup. Just little things like the mother going to visit the father at the hospital and him, like, you know, just the look between them and he asks for the EKG and then... Just little tiny thing. And I'm like, and it's just really great quick setup of there's obviously something wrong there. You have them with a the little boat when they get to the lake house and you have the necklace. And I'm like, and it's shown really quickly. And you don't have a shitload of de- exposition that I would normally expect from a movie where you would talk about. Oh, well, we need to talk about your brother and how he died and da-da-da. I,
1: mean, well, I was I'm even like... impressed that the whole establishing of the swimming mm-hmm. wasn't overdone. Yeah, it's just, it's really quickly set I mean, up. they show it twice and then it comes into play. But in the thing play.
0: is, mm-hmm.
2: that's one of the things I found so interesting, the use of water imagery. I talked about water as Mary's baptism in the mm-hmm. last film. Mm-hmm. Here, water is Mary's element. No, it's yeah. her escape. Um, No, 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 no. Even
1: from a story point, though, she's using her swimming as an escape from the tragedy of her brother, though. Mm. I will will add that.
2: No, just hear me out, and then you can criticize away. When we see her swimming, we get that established that she is comfortable in the water, that this is sort of where she actually likes to be. And so then the water does become her escape when it becomes time. She even takes swimming strokes past the shock. Not a whole lot of strokes, but, you know, she manages to get a couple in. And so there's that water, and she brings water with her death as she dies. The rain comes. Except that she
0: doesn't die. With her seeming death. Mm -hmm.
2: With her seeming death, yeah. Because there was the whole Christ Messiah pose type thing in the water. But I didn't see
0: that, actually. I think that was more just her doing a dead man's float.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, we can go with that. That's fair. But with the water, it was, again, it was in the element of water that she was able to get from the lake to the house. And it was, again, in the water where she and her family were able to escape after. And so there's almost this water leading to vengeance and punishment of the wicked. You see Justin, he falls into the tub, a symbol of water. It's his protection. It's sort of his salvation, water, because it's the element it's Mary's element, and so that's why he is able to be in that boat with the family over the water and out of there. And I just found that to be fascinating.
1: I think you're giving this movie way too much credit. I, th- I think the you Justin thing is maybe a little bit time. much. Yeah, the the justice well, because he had already gotten his salvation when he gave them the gun and he helped to jump Sadie.
0: Yeah, and with Mary, if you think about it, why is the reason that she's in the water in the first place? The amount of swimming that she's doing is. Her brother's escape dead. Escape over
1: the tragedy, yeah.
0: Yeah, so her water is, it becomes her out. It's like, it's potato-potato, because potato, I'm like, you can read it one way, but you can read it the other way, too, because she is using water as an escape. The reason that she's in the water, she doesn't want to think about the fact that her brother's dead.
1: And when the parents remove the water from her lungs, they are then freeing her from having to continue in the fight. Hmm. Yeah, see? Yeah. That see, that I'm just pulling that one out of on my ass. no, 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 no.
2: no. <laughs> that fits. That actually fits really well. And while I'll admit the Justin thing is probably pushing it a little,
0: you are so overreaching with that one.
1: That's I mean, there is the bit with the shower, and one of the things we'll get into this a little bit more in a second. But you know, you guys watched the theatrical cut, or at least I know you did, Mac. I'm not sure which version you watched. TV. I I watched the unrated cut. There was actually the scene where Mary takes her shower is much longer in the unrated cut. It's no more explicit than it is. I mean, like in the original film, there's presented as sexualized, but in an innocent, naive way. Mm -hmm. But there's like this additional setup of the shower curtain rod. The fact that the shower curtain rod is something that's loose and always keeps falling loose is something that's set up throughout the film. And then when Sadie uses it as a weapon, that's when that pays off. That was
2: a good setup. And a couple other things were set up too. But the major thing I was waiting for was, you know, the timer on Mary's wrist that she's constantly using. I was waiting for that to come into further play other than just its use as a
0: timer. And I never, never thought
1: it was going to come into play other than... I did, I thought that the timer was just representative of her kind of obsession with pushing herself in terms of she's not swimming because she loves swimming. She's swimming because she's pushing herself for some reason. And she's pushing herself as an escape from her brother. Mm-hmm. And then when and it she comes... Has to
2: push herself from the water to survive.
1: Yeah, and when it comes to that final bit, it's like, fuck the timer, just swim. Mm-hmm. I almost, you know, would have expected that instead of using the necklace, what if it was that timer watch that gets left behind as But th- anyone
0: can buy the timer watch. Like again, I get specifically why they use the necklace. No, but
1: if it's a specific aquatic watch if you get yeah, like but a anyone specific can still aquatic buy
0: that. No, like, no,
1: anyone could still play anyone could still buy a little peace symbol medallion like mm-hmm. they had in the original. But um, they had more with that too, with the piece. Yeah, I mean.
2: Mary's mom in the original went and checked the suitcase afterwards.
1: But here, it's not just the necklace that clues them in; it's the necklace on top of Marie's return. So Mary. I mean, I'm
2: just—Mary.
1: <laughs> Her name is Mary, Noel. It's the necklace on top of Mary's return. I'm almost just like—you could have done away with the necklace and have it be the watch.
2: No, I think
1: I, it, it needs had... to be the necklace. Yeah, it, it
2: needed to be the personally engraved necklace.
1: Yeah,
0: it had to be. Yeah, it needed to be the necklace because it has that engraving because you there's the engraving, but I
1: thought the watch had more of a personal tie to Mary. No, because the first watch? thing that you Because it ties into what she uses to define herself. And if she abandons the watch before doing her final swim, and then the watch ends up coming back into play. No, you don't it's not personal. A watch is a watch. My point was that the necklace didn't really feel personal to me. It felt well, like a plot device. Watch?
0: You're not a girl though, Noel. Okay. Like as a girl, that necklace, a mono, it has her initial M on the front. And then on the back, it's from her brother. So she's carrying her brother with her in that way. So it means so much more. But again, you're a guy, so it might not mean as much. but
2: No, and that contributes to the indignity when all this stuff happens. It's just like the cherry on the cake. Um, It's just the
0: cherry on the shit sundae.
2: Yeah, she's absolutely destroyed in this way. And then the necklace, this is her brother being taken away from
0: her a second
1: time. Well, and then Justin, the brother figure of the movie, uses the necklace as a way to get her parents to save her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or or to find or al- out.
0: Well, basically, I think at that
1: point, he's just alerting them to the fact that something happened to your daughter and we are the people who did it. He's become the surrogate brother figure. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like is that there isn't really a romance between him and-, and Mary. It's more this sense of he feels this need to protect her. And thus, he's like a surrogate brother figure.
2: Yeah, actually, because you could argue it's either to protect her or... Um,
1: Because the few times he steps up, it's in defense of her.
2: Or in offense against his quote-unquote family.
1: Yeah. I think the suggestion is he's never stood up to his family because he's never had anything to fight for. Mm-hmm. And now he has something to fight for.
0: I do think that there is, you can read it as a romance. You can read
1: into it as a romance, but I think If just, you
0: want to, but it's not really played that way.
1: I think that just the fact that there is the brother angle there, mm-hmm. you can also read into it as like he's now the surrogate protector brother figure.
0: I can see why you would think that, going back to the watch, I see why you would think that the watch would be a better thing because as a guy, a watch is more important to you than a necklace.
1: No. Whereas a girl, I just thought the watch ties into the swimming thing better. I just thought it could have been thematically linked. But the in swimming
0: better. doesn't define her. Like
1: your family- now, now, now that we're getting into the brother angle, I think the the necklace is fine.
0: Yeah, because it's like the, <laughs> she, you look at Mary and her family, and she's more defined by her family than she is by her swimming.
1: Well, no. What I'm saying is the swimming is what she chooses to use to define herself. Well, she uses it as an escape. Well, yeah, and she's defining herself with an escape from what she doesn't want to really deal with and what the entire family doesn't really want to deal with because they avoid talking about it.
2: Which, again, leads back to the whole thing about, you know, there was none of this major exposition. And so they were able to communicate that this family really doesn't want to deal with it, doesn't want to talk about it, but it still manages to communicate that this is something that's there. And
1: it's as simple as a necklace,
2: On a dresser that Mary puts on. And
1: there... The more we discuss this topic, the more I'm coming around to your side. I can see it on the necklace.
0: Mm There we are. Also, you're not a (laughs) group. We've bullied you into it!
1: (laughs) Tell that to my breasts. (laughs) You're boobs, thank you very much. They're (laughs) boobs. So anyways... One of my main problems with the movie, and this is just from a personal angle, is I don't like Monica Potter. I think she's fine. That's the nicest I can be about it. I'm like, I think and that's like, it's not the film's fault. It's just I personally kind of find Monica Potter kind of grating and annoying. And in the first hour of the movie, I was kind of annoyed with her just because it's Monica Potter. But in the in you in the last half hour when when we got into the parents getting revenge, I didn't have a problem with her then. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just my own personal clash with her style of delivery. I don't like her in Parenthood. I don't like her, and I just don't like Monica Potter. But I still think the character's fine. Mm-hmm. And I really like Tony Goldwyn, who plays the dad. Mm-hmm. I like how they actually made use of the fact that he's a doctor, both in saving his daughter and ultimately killing the enemies.
0: Yeah, because in the original
1: in the original, we hear he's a doctor, but it doesn't come into play. Yeah,
0: I'm like, in the original, I completely missed the part where he was a doctor. I didn't even know it until I looked up in the cast credit. And I'm like, oh, he's a doctor. And I'm like, feel like that could have been used.
2: No, no, no. In the original, you might argue that his being a doctor is linked to that whole dream
1: as But he was a dentist in that dream, not a doctor. Yeah, and that was more just about the anxiety of the villain than anything they actually made use of.
0: I was reaching there. Okay, I'm, yeah, trying, you're really
2: to, reaching. I'm trying to defend the character's honor.
1: <laughs> you need a longer arm for that reach. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. yeah, fair enough. You're going to need one of those big grabby handy things, maybe.
1: I mean, I really like this scene here where, you know, the daughter comes and not only does the medical practice allow him to save her, you know, with cauterizing the wound, with fixing the collapsed lung, but also recognizing what's been done to her when he sees between her legs and sees that she's been raped.
2: No, for me, that expression on her father's face when he looks between her legs and sees that she's been raped, that was Mm -hmm. probably the most powerful moment emotionally for me in
1: that movie. I like that he waits before he tells the mother and it's this anxiety in the audience. It's like, (laughs) is he going to tell her? Is he just not? The conversation you know they don't want to have, but they're going to. Mm -hmm. But then to then contrast that with what he eventually does to Krug, the final fate of I don't have any rope or duct tape laying around, so I severed your spinal cord and paralyzed you from the neck down. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, here's a microwave to stick your head in.
0: It, it was a weird way to end the movie.
1: Yeah. I like though that we end it on a nice kind of peaceful note, and then we flash back to that moment to kind of just yeah. just a little cynical laugh at the end.
0: I don't know that I needed that. I was sort I of like. I don't know that oh, I
1: needed it, but I kind of. Odd. That was where it felt like the original film, of where it's trying to be bold with this kind of odd sense of humor. And I think they pulled it off better here. Mm-hmm. And then I like that, you know, you go from his head exploding in the microwave to the credits playing out over these nice little scenic shots of the house on the lake. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the place where all this horror just went down. Yeah, I, I don't know that it was... For me, it was a decent beat to end on. Because the ending was kind of in danger of ending on too happy of a note. Mm-hmm. Of, we got away, she's still alive, Justin's with them, And it kind of needed just that one more little wry bit. Just to maintain the tone of the rest of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: I don't know, just in my opinion. No, I see where you're coming from.
0: Um, and yeah, I may not know? agree with it, but I can understand where you're coming from.
2: But speaking of the ending and the shaping, remember how I was talking about the structure of the original, mm-hmm. where it was sort of a short build-up, a longer second act and then that really short third act with the revenge mm-hmm. i felt like with this one the build-up was longer that whole second well, the film act is like
1: half an hour longer too, yeah. So. yeah
2: no it was just that that particular section that act was longer they took more time with oh, the yeah. build-up and then in the second act with the actual rape and all the atrocities there they it was much more little. condensed yeah yeah much more condensed and the revenge was extended a little bit not by much but a little
1: and and it was actually just, twice as long. It was 40 minutes yeah, versus the 20 minutes. Yeah, it was a lot there. longer, actually. Yeah, The scene in the woods was only 25 minutes. Yeah. They weren't in the woods very long. But then again, there was the extra buildup with the girls in the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. That was extended.
2: So maybe it was that that made the last act seem shorter to me. I don't know.
1: I really like how this film was laid out in terms of instead of feeling the need to cut away from the tension to humor, it just kept the tension going. It had like a few major peaks and valleys in the tension, but it never let up the tension. You know, it was especially in the second half of the movie where following the rape, there's the whole escape of Mary and then getting into the house and then you know, just that nice tension as you're waiting for them to up, re- put the pieces together. And then when mm-hmm. they do the actual acts of their confrontation, I mean, the whole scene fighting Francis in the kitchen was just grueling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not easy to kill a like, guy quick. Wow, you know? that just that kept going. I mean, I especially love how they she goes to drown the guy in the sink, but then he reaches in and unplugs the sink. And it's a question of, are we going to be able to drown him before the water drains out? So then they just stick his hand in the garbage disposal. And then it's just the whole bit of how he arches out of the water, just howling as his hands in the garbage. It's like, Jesus. And then they walk in and just pelt him once with a hammer and he goes down. Mm -hmm. That sequence was... It was hard to watch, but it was so precisely put together. Mm -hmm. It was a perfect peak of the tension. And then we got another valley in the tension, but they never let up the tension.
2: Particularly in that last
1: act. This film... You know, it didn't affect me in the same way the original film did, but I felt this was a stronger film because it played the notes of the tension so well Mm -hmm. that it just pulled me in. The original film had moments that would pull me in, but then it would lose me. Mm -hmm. This film, it just constantly pulled me in and kept me in. I mean, I was literally on the edge of my seat for the last 40 minutes. Any thoughts? Did it lose you?
0: (laughs) I, I don't think... Did it like, blow your mind? <laughs> I found it... I don't know. It's like, I wasn't that sucked into it, but I found it a much easier movie to watch. So I'm just sort of like, I didn't think it was that good, but I thought it was an easier watch.
1: Well, I think the difference between the two films is the original film is not a very good cinematic narrative, but it's a, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. This film, it's less an experience and more a cinematic narrative. Mm-hmm. And as a cinematic narrative, I found it to be a very strong one. Mm-hmm. Well said. The way in which it plays out the central concept of the story is with a very different feel and a very different approach, but I still feel it plays it very strongly on its own terms.
0: Mm -hmm. And just going back actually quite a bit to when you first have Mary and Paige in the hotel room with Justin... It's actually a really cute scene where they're sort of messing around and, you know, doing his hair and stuff. And then the family walks in and you know that something's off, but it's not mm-hmm. like immediate, like in the first movie, wherein they walk in and they lock him in and they know that they're fucked immediately.
1: What I also like is that it gives Justin some, I mean, in the original film, Junior was complicit in kidnapping the girls in mm-hmm. here Justin is he, innocent it's dude.
0: actually the reason why the girls are kidnapped in the first place
1: is because Junior brings yeah, them up because he pulls them in and he locks the door behind them mm-hmm. you know whereas here Where's here it was complete and total accident he wanted to get some cigarettes he agreed to sell him some weed and he ended up having fun you mm-hmm. know which is something he doesn't get to have very often in his life and then it goes bad.
0: I noticed that we didn't even really talk about the movie actually opens with them, i guess with busting the escape. Food. yeah yeah and it's just like i don't know that we really needed that i mean i understand why It almost would have been a more effective opening if you
2: just started, if you cut that whole thing, and then you introduced them when they walked into the hotel room. Though I see
0: see why they do it, though, because the way that they take out these guys, I'm like, you see how brutal Krug is.
1: What I like is with Krug, his brutality, he always makes it personal. Mm -hmm. Like the bit where he's strangling the cop and forcing him to look at the picture of his children as the last thing he sees. Yeah, I'm willing to let that scene be in there just for that moment, because yeah. that is one of the clearest ways to establish just what a sociopath this guy is. We don't really need it, but we need it for that one thing and just how fucked up he is. Yeah, you don't need the whole bit of, you know, oh, how many times in movies and TV have we seen the whole of, oh, we suddenly see a truck racing towards the driver's side door.
0: And we really didn't need that whole joke. The with skull the-
1: masks and everything.
0: I like that mask. Thank you very much. It was,
1: but you know, if they're killing the guys, why do you need to worry about if you're getting seen?
0: Yeah, that's true. Although I I think if they figured maybe there was a dashboard cam because some police cars do still have them. Yeah,
1: And I like that, you know, it's let's instantly give Sadie a moment. Let's instantly give Francis a moment. Mm -hmm. And it shows you the different types of psychopaths each Mm -hmm. of these people are. Sadie is the unstable, unpredictable one. She's the scary one.
0: And she's also the one who's sort of following Kruger around, like, did I do good? Did I do good? Exactly. Do I do
1: good? And Francis, he's more the pervert. He's the one who gets more glee from, like, there's bits in the unrated cut that weren't in the theatrical ones where he's, like, constantly touching the girls and not, to like, fully molesting them, but always touching them and running his hands between their legs and stuff like that. You
0: still get that in the car, though, when he's kind of got his hand on Paige's leg and she's really uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, they do a lot more with it in the unrated cut. He's like sticking his I tongue in like her ear. I feel like if stuff. I had watched the unrated cut, I would have been like, "This movie made me so uncomfortable." Yeah, it, you know, the, and that's the thing is, this film it doesn't make me as uncomfortable as the original, mainly because of the fact that it's a cinematic narrative instead of an experience. Mm-hmm. There is that level of separation. If you're watching a story instead of experiencing a horror, and I will agree that you know there is that aspect that doesn't have what the original film had, but I still like what I got, and I, I much prefer what I got here. It's because it's, it's an easier watch. It's easier, but I don't want to say it's it's not easier because they copped out. It's easier just because it's such a different style. Exactly. It, the much
0: cleaner style, it makes it easier to watch as opposed mm-hmm. to the down and dirty and gritty that made it really hard to watch the original.
1: See, and what I like about Garrett Delahunt as Krug... He's just been popping up in so many interesting movie and TV shows the last year. Oh yeah, year. he's
0: on *Raising Hope*. He was a uh, Cromarty mm-hmm. when um, *Terminator*, yeah. Yeah, when *Sarah Connor Chronicles*
1: was *No in. Country for Old Men*, where he played the Martin Cove role in the original *Last House on the Left*, the dim-witted deputy. What's him call it Looper. He was *Looper*. Yeah. Interesting actor, and I like how, you know, he has this big physical intimidating presence with this kind of cold, gentle face and this very quiet voice. Mm -hmm. And what I like about his Krug is that he can be extremely brutal, extremely horrible, but then he can be extremely gentle. But it's like he's using the gentle moments to make the horrible moments even more horrible. Yeah. He's using that as a tool. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know what's weird, too, is there's one point where they have the girls in the car, you know, where he's talking about, you know, Mary's been a complete pro about this. And there's a part of me that's going, you know, if she hadn't grabbed that cigarette lighter and whatever, maybe they would have just let them go. But that's like the little optimist in me going, well, if she hadn't done that, I'm like, no, they still would have done what they did to them. They might have just left them tied to like trees after brutally raping them, but they still would have done exactly what they did before.
1: Exactly. I mean, what she did stirred their anger immediately, mm-hmm. but these are people who are so violent and so twisted that they were never going to just let the yeah, girls go. Yeah, just from the start. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They may have not murdered them, but they would have still completely brutalized them and left them
1: in the forest, you know. And then what's interesting is the whole rape. I mean, they don't end up raping both girls. It's just Mary. Instead of about the Krug in the original of it's just defiance. It's just me raping you because I want to rape you. Mm-hmm. It's this whole thing of he's trying to it's get his...
2: him being personal.
1: He's so disappointed in his son because his son's not a man. Yeah, exactly. His son's not him. It's all his quest to try to make his son into him. And then his anger at failing.
0: Yeah. And actually that rape is so fucking brutal.
1: And it's twice as long as... I mean, I'm mean, i looking through a list of all the various shots and it's, it's a lot more brutal the, in the unrated version. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it goes on and on. <laughs> in the unrated and rated version, it's mostly just little extended bits of extra shots here and there, alternate shots. And it's not even just in the violence and gore. It's like even just stuff of like when they're driving around, when they're talking, you Mm -hmm. know, when she's running through the woods. There's even just extra shots of them in the boat at the end. The rape scene is the only real bit that is significantly extended. Mm -hmm. But then there's little dialogue bits like where they're talking to Mary about her car that they fully intend to steal. Or like Mm -hmm. there's this little father moment where as they're driving away, he's like, Justin, put on your seatbelt. And Justin puts on a seatbelt. It's just a little moment. It plays. It doesn't sound like much, but it plays out nicely on screen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the rape scene was. Uh, that was that was uncomfortable.
0: I will say that you know you've shot a rape scene properly if it's uncomfortable. At no point should anyone watching a rape scene What's
1: be really like, i totally
2: But I feel like we're dancing around the rape scene here, oh, a of little
1: course, more than oh, we, we totally were in are. the original. Well, because no, and I find that It's because we don't want to sound like we're praising it.
0: Well, the thing is with no, this no, no, one, no, no. it was I brutal, just... but it wasn't, it was a fairly brutal scene, but at the same time, it was still very cinematically brutal.
1: Yeah. And there was a lot of focus on Marie's face and on- Mary. Her name <laughs> is Mary, okay? But yeah, I mean, there was a lot of focus on her going through that experience. And I thought that humanized the moment. It made it even harder to watch, but in an intelligent way. Mm-hmm. And even just Garrett Dillon Hunt, the wide shots of him just humping her, it was just... Yeah, we didn't really
0: have those wide
1: shots. Yeah, I did. Nope. Not
0: on the
2: theatrical.
1: They were still harsh because it was, again, it was about him using rape as a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's not about him just getting pleasure. It's about he's inflicting this on both Mary for the defiance she's shown, and he's inflicting this on Justin for being, you know, weak. What I want to say is, it, this movie is a lot more comparable instead of to the original Last House on the Left, it's a lot more comparable to the movie Straw Dogs.
2: Yeah. Okay, hey, that's not what I've seen. You want to run the comparison there by me?
1: Straw Dogs is the Sam Peckinpah film where it's uh, Dustin Hoffman and Susan George buy a house out in the countryside, the place where she used to live, and they hire her ex-boyfriend and his team to renovate the house, and it's this kind of class warfare he's from the city, they're from the country... And it's this dissatisfaction in their marriage you know, reflected against the countryside being dissatisfied in him, and the ex-boyfriend eventually comes in, forces himself on the woman, but then another guy comes in and turns it into a gang rape, and then this leads to a violent confrontation where it's the husband versus these townsfolk as they're trying to get into the home and he's violently killing them off. Okay. What I mean by comparing it is, stylistically, they're very similar in terms of the choices they make, in terms of how they shoot things, how they cut things, but it's also a more similar character piece, Straw Dogs played out a very similar story as a very intelligent psychological character study and study of people who are just, I don't want to say it, society people being forced into violent extremes by violent people. Okay. Straw Dogs is another film that it's a fantastic film. It's a magnificent film, but it's extremely hard to watch. And it had that at its centerpiece, the rape scene. Mm -hmm. And Straw Dogs is infamous for the movie with the rape scene. Mm -hmm. And this scene has that similar focus on her face as the experience is going down. It's hard for me to find the words to compare the two because I don't know how to talk about rape scenes. Yeah, But this film reminds me a lot more of, say, Straw Dogs or Cape Fear than it does the original Last House on the Left because those were also ones that took a similar storyline and presented it in a much more mainstream but still complex cinematic style. Mm Mm-hmm as opposed to the grindhouse experience that the original one was. Okay. I mean, when I watch this film, I don't put it alongside the original as much as I do Straw Dogs and Cape Fear. And Cape Fear was also another one that had at its centerpiece a rape, and it was about people being stalked by these horrible people, and at the end, the socially acceptable people have to rise up and become brutal monsters to the brutal monsters. Exactly. And Straw Dogs also has a very famous moment where someone gets shot in the eye, which when it happened to Sadie, I'm like, oh, they even just the little prosthetic just looks exactly the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think there is a definite influence there of things like Cape Fear and Straw Dogs.
0: More so than the original.
1: In terms of the approach they're taking. Yeah. And I don't dislike that. I actually like that. I think that makes it strong and I think it elevates the story beyond what it was in the original. The original was a very unique film and it kind of worked as its own unique thing. But I think this film is actually a good film as a film. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the same experience as the original, but as a film, it's a good film. And I would definitely hold it up nearly on the same level as I would Straw Dogs or Cape Fear, which are classics. I would need to give it a few more years and a few more rewatches to see if I think it's equal to them. But
0: but the thing is, too, is that you can actually rewatch this one. Yeah,
1: or I want to. Yeah, as with the original, it's like, please, no. The original is no. an experience that I don't want to experience again. I do not again. want
0: to. It's like I I've do not
1: want. I do not want.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is like caps lock.
1: Yeah. Do not want. And this one really absorbed me as just a work of cinema. And mm-hmm. as we work a cinema, it's this work cinema I want to revisit. Not often, because it is still a hard film to watch, but it's definitely, as far as remakes go, it's one of the most professionally put together and polished works of cinema. Not even just comparing it to the original, but just as a well put together piece of cinema. I really like this movie. Yeah. I like really, really liked it.
0: My only problem becomes the thing at the end where they can't find the fucking boat <laughs> keys. And I'm like, God damn it. Hotwire your fucking boat and get the hell that out of there. That is
2: exactly one of the things I didn't understand. It
1: made sense to me because of the brother, because of the uncle who had borrowed the cabin. Oh, a no, month I before. know
0: why. It's just at that point, I'm like, your kid has been shot, water, lungs. Well, they might not know how to hotwire it. I don't fucking care. It's a movie. No, it's a movie. In a movie. Well, I
1: mean, everyone knows
0: how to hotwire everything. Yeah, in a movie, everyone knows how to
1: hotwire things, damn it. Yeah, I agree with you that I thought it was a little overly drawn out, the search for the keys. Mm -hmm. But the moment the keys finally appeared, I really liked that moment because they were right in the glasses of the cheap bottle of crap that the brother left behind that they didn't drink. And because they looked down on the brother's act of contrition so much, they didn't even notice that the keys were right there in the glasses.
0: Although, at the same time, I'm like, what kind of a fucking asshole leaves the keys in the glass? <laughs> Just leave it somewhere where someone will find it,
1: dick cheese. And I even liked the bit like, oh, the microwave isn't working. I blame it on the brother. You always blame it on the br- <laughs> Oh.
0: There was a point where I'm like, "What? have you tried hot wiring? Is there no other key for the boat? Do you just have the one key? Why do you only have the one key? Why didn't you try hot wiring? I mean, if you can hot wire a car, I'm pretty sure you could hot wire a boat.
1: I'm suddenly noticing a lot of sibling things in this. I mean, we have the whole thing with Mary and her brother. Mm -hmm. We have the possible like surrogate brother in Justin. Mm -hmm. We have the brother of, I think it was the mother's brother
0: Mm -hmm. who was the
1: loser who... They feared was going to make a mess of everything, but ended up not. Yeah. And then we have Francis, the character who was Weasel in the original, has been turned into Krug's brother. Mm-hmm. So it's just a lot of interesting siblinghood, a lot of brothers.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that was yeah. intentional or it's not, really but it was definitely
1: cool to see. Or you know. I
2: was waiting for it to be used more to parallel family units, actually.
1: I like the bit when Krug sees his brother dead, and yeah. he just has that little nod of, well, yeah. Yeah, well, he's dead. <laughs> and then his later dialogue of, wow, you guys sure killed him. <laughs> yeah. I think that's almost
0: missing in the fact that they are actually a family unit, with yeah. the exception
1: of maybe Sadie, who's a girlfriend, but that's still kind of. But you know. she's still, you know, the relation of Krug. Yeah. He's the father of this family. It,
0: but there isn't that connection, despite the fact that they're connected and that lost well, yeah, which... something. Whereas in the original, you had these people that weren't really related but did feel like a family unit.
1: I'll agree to that in terms of you didn't really see that bond Mm -hmm. between Krug and Francis. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I kind of like that there isn't that connection, and it's enhanced by the fact that when he sees his brother dead, he doesn't really have a reaction to it beyond, wow, they got him good. Yeah. You know, that says so much more about Krug as a person.
2: It reinforces that sociopathy that we were discussing when he yeah. first steps out of the cop car, shoots the cop after showing him the picture. It's just He doesn't one more shoot thing. the cop,
0: strangles he strangles him, him with a seatbelt. Oh, strangles him, sorry. Yeah, Justin shoots the cop.
1: And then he has those moments of gentleness. There's that bit there where Paige is literally coughing up blood and dying in Mary's arms. And he's like, tell her it's going to be okay. Tell her help is coming, all this stuff. And then you think, is he using this to tell her to comfort her friend? But then no, he then keeps pushing it to the point where he's using it as a weapon against Mary. Mm -hmm. And she defies him. I don't know.
2: I felt like it had that vicious edge right from the beginning, honestly. Because I felt from what I understood or what I'd seen of the characters that there was no way in hell that was true.
1: And then there's that moment where Paige dies and he literally pulls Mary in and is hugging her and comforting her. Mm-hmm. That was just a weird moment. But I really, mean, like, it was so fucking creepy. But I liked it because I like this Krug. He's just such a fucking creepy guy. And he's someone I didn't expect See, to be.
0: He was, but I did like David Hess's Krug better.
1: Through such different Krugs. I, oh, I love David Hess's Krug. Yeah. David Hess just had this nice primal quality to him.
0: I like Garrett Dillahunt, but I love David Hess as Krug. Like, there was just something completely fucked
1: up about him. Mm hmm. Okay. That- he just had, he didn't have a care in the world about how awful he was in the original. Mm hmm. He's just like, I'm an awful person. Deal with it. Yeah. Garrett Dillahunt, and the thing is, I went in kind of a little hesitant because Garrett Dillahunt, I've never quite seen him in this type of role before. You know, I've seen him as the dim-witted dad and raising hope, and I've seen him as kind of the cold-killing machine. Mm-hmm. In like Terminator, he was also a villain on Burn Notice. But I was surprised at just how many layers he brought to the character and these weird things that he would do Mm -hmm. (laughs) that just, I really liked it. I mean, I'm not saying he's better than David Hess's Krug. It's different. Yeah. But I'm also not saying it's worse. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it's... It's very much its own Krug. Yeah. For me, he's not as good, but he's still very good. I mean, this was a Krug who, when he does something, it's not because he wants to, it's because he wants to make a point. Mm -hmm. exactly in the original he just did whatever he wanted yeah whereas in the
2: remake here it's to either force his son's hand kind of thing or to mess with Marion page
1: it's one of those movies that it's like and then this happened and that meant something and this is where i kind of feel bad that i didn't get a chance to watch this more than once Mm -hmm. because there are so many layers to explore and that's where i kind of really want to watch this movie again Because it's a much more layered and complex movie than I expected it to be. Mm
2: -hmm. So are you saying that you felt like the original was more straightforward as a story? Or just as a film at large?
1: I think it was straightforward as an experience. Yeah, because we've been kind of saying that it's... Narrative versus experience. Yeah, whereas this one, it is a film. This is a much more constructed story. Mm -hmm. The original, it was more primal. It was more about the emotions of the story. And this one is more about the construction of the various elements.
0: I will admit to something that when I first watched this movie, I remembered it wrong is that originally what I thought when Mary was alive, I forgot the fact that they were actually looking for boat keys and I thought that they were just dicking around like oh well let's kill these fuckers and I'm like "You're get your kid to the hospital. Seriously, mm-hmm. go. Now.
1: No, I, I like that we have that moment It's again a repeat from the original of the father going through the tools of what, what does he want to use to kill with, mm-hmm. but that comes at the tail end of having gone out there to search for the keys Mm -hmm. he then sees the whole wall of tools one of the
2: things that interested me particularly about that third act thing was the fact that there was direct conversation between mary's mom and dad about okay what's going on what are we going to do you didn't see that really in the original
1: you just sort of saw it happen and you know what i really love is that they beat the villains through teamwork Yep. Sadie, it was a team effort. You had Justin in there, you had the parents. Francis, it started as the mom, but then it became a team effort. Mm -hmm. And Krug, it started as the dad, but then became a team effort. And then at the end, it was the dad. who. The family that slays together stays together. Yeah.
0: Um, Apparently in the movie, though, it's supposed to be that when they're riding away, they are apparently supposed to be irrevocably broken.
1: Yeah, I never got a sense that it was a happy ending. I just got a sense that, you know, they lived. But they still have to live with what they went through.
0: See, the thing is, I got the sense that they would be okay despite what they had done. Because you look at what they had done and the fact that their kid was still alive. And so I'm like, it wasn't as heavy an ending as if... Actually, I I wanted to ask you guys, what did you think of the fact that they didn't kill off Mary? Because they could have done that. They could have, when she runs into
1: the water... She has this really
0: amazing moment.
1: I know a lot of people said that that week in the story. I didn't. I mean, I agree. I
2: thought that was such a really powerful way to do it.
1: What I liked was uh, the screenwriter in an interview said that the main reason I did that wasn't to keep her alive, wasn't just to give it a happy ending, but was to actually give the parents a ticking clock. Mm -hmm. We need to resolve this situation and then get her to the hospital Mm -hmm. because she's still in danger. And that's the thing is they were perfectly willing to just leave the killers there and and get her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But the boat keys prevented them from doing that.
0: I'm fine with them changing it, actually. It works. Because where they would have killed her, I'm like, because you so want her to get away when she Mm -hmm. hits Krug with that rock and she takes off running and she starts swimming. And you want her to get away. And it would have just been so emotionally wrenching to have her die but I can see why they kept her alive. Yeah, no, I felt like
2: that had such an impact on the family dynamic. Yeah. I like that idea of the ticking clock too, but the way it presented the family dynamic.
1: And that's what I like is that she didn't need to become involved in the third act, you know, physically involved, because it's mommy and daddy's turn now. You just rest.
0: Yeah, because this is their second child.
1: And they're not going to let her die.
0: Yeah, Though I think it would have been if they had killed off Mary, that ultimate revenge would have then made sense because I'm like, this is the second child that they've lost. It would have totally made sense for them to stay behind and be like, well, we're going to kill you.
1: Yeah, but I didn't mind having that be something that ended up, well, first of all, they did want to get revenge. But mm-hmm. the priority was to save their daughter. Mm-hmm. It's just getting revenge before they could save the daughter ended up becoming mm-hmm. circumstance. And I don't mind oh, that. Oh, no, that's
0: the thing is, don't get me wrong, I, I am actually, like, I would have been interesting to see the other side of that play out, too, for me. Yeah. But what they did was yeah. still good. So either would
1: have been effective. I think it's with the killing of Francis. Francis forces their hand because he's the one who's awake and comes to the house. Mm -hmm. Though she could have just given him the beer and sent him on his way.
2: Do you really think he would have just taken the beer and been on his way?
1: I think so, yeah. Exactly. He didn't want the beer. He wanted her.
0: Well, see, the thing is, he thought that they were asleep is what he says. So I
1: took it at face value that he was coming to get a beer. Could have seen the lights were still on.
0: People leave the lights on sometimes.
1: And technically, they're not when they're on an emergency generator. Maybe it w- he wasn't visible from that side of the house. Well, but the thing is, once he got into the kitchen and saw that she was up, he didn't want the beer; one he of her.
0: Well, and she kind of played on that too,
1: so. Yes, but she played on that as far as she needed to resolve the situation.
0: Hmm. I thought the way she dealt with it in the
2: remake here was much more effective and just much more.
1: In the original, it was a nice shock. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but I felt like it played out better here in the remake, just the way the actress played it uh, just the way it was written. I liked how nervous she seemed.
1: Yes. This was where I actually liked Monica Potter's acting.
2: Just her nerves, but she was still managing to play it properly, right? Play along with what was going on. And it just leads into this
1: horrible scene.
0: Bad-ass revenge sequence. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a horrible death. (laughs) It's a bad death i not going to
0: lie to you, Marge. You kind of had it coming, though.
1: No, I know. But it's even on their side of things. That's a horrible thing to go through. It's just, he won't die. <laughs> it's kind of like that Breaking Bad episode where they have that one guy who just won't die. <laughs> <laughs> but then I like is that that's when the parents, that's what tips their hand is they finally realize, yes, we can actually kill someone. We physically can. Mm-hmm. And that's when they decide to sneak into the guest house. And I like that moment where they get into the room and they see the two sleeping in the bed and then they see Justin sitting there with the gun pointed at them and then he offers them the gun.
2: Yeah, he just shifts the way it was sitting in his hand.
1: What I like is that they never lose that sense of uncertainty with Justin and you get the sense that even when they get to the mainland and get rescued, they're not going to welcome him into the family with open arms. No. Because he still has that tie to this horrible, horrible thing that happened. So, I mean, it's not like the parents don't see him as a surrogate son in the way he's almost become a surrogate brother figure to Mary. Mm -hmm. And I like that because that's honest. That's not something that they're just going to be like, yes, come join our family.
2: Yeah, because he's the one who had Mary's necklace. So there's that automatic association. Yeah. Again, the turn on top of the shit Sunday.
1: What I like is initially by the mom's reaction, you can see she's thinking he had something to do with
2: Mary. Mm -hmm. Oh, when she finds the necklace around
1: He's the initial focus of the blame and it's only when they have that moment that he like kind of turns the tide that they're like okay, we'll table it for now He
2: wanted us to know.
1: And we'll see how things play out. Because every interaction between him and the parents after that, there's still this extreme discomfort on Mm -hmm. the part of the parents
0: Like even when he comes up to the bug they are very
1: begrudgingly trusting him.
0: Yeah, it's like she holds the gun on him for, there's a beat where she starts considering it Mm -hmm. where she's like,
1: I can shoot you not gonna but i could and one person we haven't we didn't even really talk about her much in the original film but we should probably talk about them both here is sadie mm-hmm. what i was surprised is that sadie has more nudity in this movie than anyone had in the original movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and then i was surprised to find out this is one of the two girls who does that comedic song duo garfunkel and oats Oates, yeah i was like wow that's her really that's her yeah Yet she's the and blonde she
0: was also i think on big bang theory for one episode but yeah, I was like,
1: this is a girl in Garfunkel and Oates? Wow. Yeah, she was actually... She, she was like- scary in this movie. Well, it's like, I was also surprised to see the girl who played Paige in this, because it's like, I've seen her in so many sitcoms, and mm-hmm. like she was in Greek, she was in 1600 pen and... She's the other girl who gets tortured and killed.
0: Okay. She was actually also in Superbad, and she mm-hmm. was on Emily
1: of New Moon, which is what I know her from. And I'm like, Emily, what would your aunt say? <laughs> hey, My main point, though, is just I was surprised by some of the casting in this movie and was never disappointed by any of it. Oh, yeah, no, it, it was. Even Monica really... Potter won me over in the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was actually really good casting. I can't complain about any of it.
2: Can we go back to the scene where Krug, Sadie, and that whole group show up at Mary's family's house?
0: Mm-hmm. No, we and can't.
2: React- <laughs> Shut up and let me talk, woman. I love you. Um, <laughs> where they walk in and just their reaction to the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Who is it that said, how many
1: houses do you have? That was Sadie. They picked up on that silver spoon line from the original mm-hmm. oh, and played yeah. it into a classist element here mm-hmm. of they hate rich people. Yeah. I found
0: that-
2: fascinating and i found that really well done just Mm -hmm. sadie's delivery of that line the house. how
0: many houses do you have yeah
2: no she said something along the lines of the house is so squeaky clean Mm -hmm. i think those were her words and just the way she delivered them it walked that line between being a compliment and a criticism yeah Mm -hmm. which was really interesting for me the delivery was great Mm -hmm. And what I also enjoyed was the fact that the parents looked concerned and a little awkward right away. They were not sure of this group right off the bat. Mm-hmm. which I think was a nice change and a smarter idea as compared to the original, where mm-hmm. they seemed to welcome them with open arms
0: and stuff See, like See, I thought with this one, they were actually way more accepting of them at first than in the original, where the original, they were always kind of a little standoffish, whereas here, they're like, oh, no, don't worry, we can put you up here, and but I'm like, I wouldn't fucking do For that. For me,
2: I heard it more along the lines of them being shunted off to the guest house out of the main house.
0: Well, there could have also than, been oh, not have that many well, And then
1: I like also when the mom goes into Mary's room and she's literally like taking all of Mary's jewelry so it's not left out. Mm. Yeah, but I would yeah. do that if I had a guest stay. Yeah. Like even someone that I knew. I would say the parents are more welcoming because what I like about this film is there's more justification for why they haven't heard from Mary yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in the original film, she's gone overnight into the city for a concert and they've already got the cops there and are filling in a report. Mm -hmm. Here, the phones aren't working. There's a big storm. She said she was going to stay out there a day or two to hang out with her friend. So there's at least more justification for why they haven't heard from Mary yet. And so I don't think they're on as much of an edge as the parents were in the original.
0: Though I still don't think that I would be like, yes,
1: complete and total strangers, please come into my house, enjoy dinner with me, and then stay overnight. Also, they come in bloodied and say there's been an accident. Mm -hmm. That gets a little more compassion from them. I wouldn't. I'd be like, someone shows up on my doorstep bloodied, I've been like... I'll call the cops (laughs) for you. Well, I like how the dad kicks into doctor mode. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to fix your nose. I love that moment where he gets the needle in the guy's nose just as the power goes out. And he leaves it there. there. He's like, oh, you're okay. You're okay. (laughs) I'll get back and just...
0: (laughs) I love Aaron Paul in this movie, actually. He's really good. As Francis? Yeah. Yeah. When they get the generator going and he gets a flashlight and he gives it to Sage to hold. And just the look on her face. Like, she's just watching, like, the most normal thing to see a doctor sewing up Francis' nose. And she's just like, yep. Like, she's just watching TV.
2: Yeah, that's actually a really good way to describe what her expression was like.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, in the original film, she was just this really angry... She was kind of supposed to be, like, the militant bisexual lesbian woman. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, yeah, of, you the, this, of the 70s stereotype. Lesbian. You can be bisexual, you, be or you can be a lesbian, no. <laughs> no I'm saying... Either
0: or. Both ways.
1: I'm putting, like, a slash between... <laughs> pati- I'm not saying the same thing, I'm putting a slash <laughs> no. between... She's either one or the other. I'm not saying... <laughs> I'm not saying both, damn it. But what I get is, you know, she was the militant biker woman, you know? She was the woman who will just run you down and kick your ass. Mm-hmm. In this one, she's the psychopath.
2: Almost a codependent.
1: Yeah, Krug and Frances are sociopaths, and she's literally insane. To the point where even they're at times, like... It's a bit whoa. much, on, like yeah. Yeah. Even they're caught off guard by her at times.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, this is like a really random comparison, but she reminds me... But do you guys remember from the old cartoons where there'd be the little dog and the big dog? And the little dog would be like, did I do good? Did I do good? Did I do good? And it's like, you know, jumping up and then the big dog would be like, slap and be like, shut up. She's like that tiny little dog, except that she's insane.
1: There's that child aspect to her.
0: Mm-hmm. And you kind of get why she's with Krug because he gives her positive
1: reinforcement for the terrible things that she does. Mm-hmm.
0: And Yeah, he- especially it goes back to that whole, did I do good? Did I do good?
1: But yeah. she's not innocent. She's childlike, but not with innocence.
0: Yeah, it's like she's childlike and she gets positive reinforcement from Krug for the horrible things that she does. And she's just like, okay, well, then I'll keep doing that because that's good that I did that. She's another
1: tool in his arsenal.
0: It makes me think of a little kid, the Twilight Zone episode, when he would send people into the cornfield. It's like, it's good that you did that. (laughs) That was really good, the thing that you did.
2: Kill a man, get a cookie.
1: (laughs) You know, the Sadie in the original was such a striking character, but this one is just so fascinating to watch what i like about this movie is every single character is kind of absorbing and fascinating in their own way every character with the exception of the maid at the hotel
0: she does does not have that much screen time though so but she did do a good knock on the window i will give her that yeah, you know, she got what, three seconds?
1: <laughs> I know, but she's literally like, we have all of the main cast in the movie, and then so and so as the maid. And that's the entire credits. I think
0: it's specifically because she had a speaking part. If it hadn't been a speaking part, they would they have. No, it's, well, I think it's seg rule is if you have a speaking part, they have to give you a credit for it.
1: Yep. That's why they credit Joshua Cox as Giles, the other doctor, in that one yeah. scene. Oh, one of the other things was Spencer Tree Clark, the guy playing Justin, I was just staring at him like, where do I know those big blue eyes? I he was It from. was like, it was you the kid right? from Gladiator.
0: I know! <laughs> and I was just like, oh, are you playing
1: Centurion? <laughs> yeah, it's like there were those couple years there where he was like this really big kid actor. I mean, mm-hmm. he was Gladiator, Unbreakable, Mystic River. And then he just kind of got old and nobody hired him for a while. I mean, he did stuff, but this was probably his most prominent role since Unbreakable and Mystic River. He's doing stuff now, and I think he just got caught. After Last House on the Left, he's actually been getting roles again now. You know
0: what I had said about the parents and the reason why they had let these people into their home and were being nice to them? Like, because they look fairly normal, whereas the people in the original Last House on the Left, they were like this weird fucking family unit, but they all kind of looked a little
1: off. They had cleaned themselves up nice for that moment. You know, they'd put on dress clothes. They slicked back their hair. There was still something a little off about them. There was still a faux normalcy to them, but they were at least somewhat more approachable here. Crew can be charming when he needs to be, mm-hmm. or when he wants to be, I should say.
0: But also the fact that they have that serial killer thing of I look like everyone else. Yeah, that kind of works out well for choice. You forest, sound but,
2: so sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it works out well for them in that kind of like I can walk into your house and no one will know.
1: Here is one thing that I did have a bit of a problem with was they had so many bits where he had a great setup and then a great payoff. They never really had a payoff for Francis's knife. Yeah. Yeah. They changed it into one of those kind of utility knives instead of a switchblade. Mm-hmm. It's like he keeps bringing it out. He keeps bringing it out, keeps bringing it out. And then you would think it would come into play at like during his final death sequence, but it doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's true. He only really uses it to kill Paige, and that's it. Yeah.
1: Or, I mean, even in the original, his knife didn't come back into play to kill him, but it did come into play to kill Sadie. Yeah. Whereas here, it really doesn't at all, so.
0: Yeah. yeah, In the original,
2: he's established as a bit of a knife nut.
1: He's always playing with it. He's always bringing it out. He's the pervert who's always bringing his dick out to play. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that's the error they get, because that's the expression he always gets whenever he brings it out, too.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, which links well to
1: the
0: whole extended thing. Where she bites his dick off in the original. Yeah.
2: Well, that, and in the remake, the extended version, which, Noel, you were talking about, where he's touching the girl's legs a lot, and...
1: He's actually running the knife along them. Oh, was he? Ooh. Yeah, but you haven't seen that, that so you that, can't really me. speak to it. It was kind of like in the original film. You know, there were those close up bits where he's running the knife along his own nose.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but that's a little bit more fucked up to like run the knife on your own face than it is yeah. to do that to someone. Because I'm like, do you do it to someone else? You're in trying to intimidate it. You do it to yourself, you're
1: fucked There's up. There's one specific shot in the back of the car where he has the knife out and he's kind of like running it over Paige's lips.
0: Yeah, no, but again, it's like when you do that to yourself, it's like. Or he had
1: an itch, you know, his nose itches. <laughs> I don't you know, think that's what the- it. <laughs> Allow me to scratch this with my knife. But yes, to get back to our main point, the knife is his penis and he likes to play with it.
0: In in the original, and he in likes to story. flash it at people. Yeah. In the remake, I mean that's like yeah. how we play <laughs> that character. <laughs> in the remake, I'd say nothing so much. goodnight
2: good night everyone, <laughs> can go home now.
0: The knife is his penis. <laughs> the hammer is my penis. There we go. I said it. no welcome. no, 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 no. no. I tied we this in into Horrible.
1: Talk- My chainsaw penis is better than yours. <laughs> and we're back and we where we left to off.
2: to the point where we're talking about scratching our noses with penises and...
1: Actually, we're scratching our noses with knives. Yeah, if eyes I could they- reach
0: mine with mine. You wouldn't. Like, you'd do it on TV if you were, like, a unique person who could do that. But you wouldn't do that on a daily basis, No, Well... You'd be you- like... It's a-
1: you wouldn't. You're depends like- on the itch on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Do you know why? Because I'd slap you upside the head. And I also have to smell man junk anytime I tried that. Yep. It's like, Neh. man junk gets sweaty and funky. So to discuss this point further.
0: In conclusion. <laughs> In conclusion. Penis, penis, penis.
1: <laughs> so any final thoughts we have on the Flash House on the Left Remake? Mm. I definitely want to watch it again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, this is the one that I have seen more than once because I can actually stand to watch it. And I'm like, I've had it on in the background when I'm like working on something because it doesn't affect me in the same way that the original did.
1: I think we can dismiss with our final question of which would you rather watch again? Seeing as we've already Because it's kind of obvious.
0: (laughs) Well, which one could you stand to watch again is really the question we should be asking this time.
1: And to get back to my point, it's not that the original is a bad film. It's an interesting film That should be explored if you're interested in looking into certain aspects like grindhouse cinema, Wes Craven's career, stuff like that.
0: But it's really a horrifying experience to have to go through. And that's where you don't want to recommend that people
1: watch that. Whereas the remake is just a damn good film, even in its own right. It's not even just a damn good remake. It's a damn good film.
0: Exactly. And it's a
1: film I definitely want to watch again.
0: Yeah, And it's a film that you could watch again as opposed to the original where you're like, give me no like yeah where it'll kind of turn your stomach yeah the original is the epitome of do not want
1: yeah but what i like is that it's intentionally meant to be a do not want film Mm -hmm. so there is that level of trolling there yeah and i'm glad i've seen the original film just for the experience of having seen it
0: it's like i've seen it i now know what it's about i never want to see it again i'm
1: done i'm done I can move on with my life.
0: Yeah, well, it's like with Irreversible, wherein I'm like, I have watched the movie. I feel that it is a very interesting and powerful movie. I do not think in my lifetime I will ever rewatch Irreversible, but I'm glad that I watched it. i yep. glad in quotations.
1: <laughs> Mac, anything you want to add?
0: Uh,
1: or did no, we cover I, it? <laughs> did we basically cover everything? No, no that's like?
2: what I'm saying. I pretty much, yeah.
1: <laughs> we blew that one already with our penis knives.
2: Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, no, so I'm good. I think we got it all.
1: So, I guess that concludes The Last House on the Left. Thankfully. (laughs) We got through it. Thank God. This was, like, the only time I actively dreaded going into an episode. Yeah. Just because I'm like, the original film is not a film I want to talk about. Yeah. It makes me feel dirty.
0: Well, and the thing is, too, talking about the subject of rape, I'm like, how do you talk about that without getting so clinical? We'd have to do a completely separate episode talking about rape itself, because there's no way that we can actually even talk about rape in in the context of cinema.
1: I think we managed to get through it through the context of the films, though.
0: And also the fact that, you know, Mac, when you brought up that one point wherein, you know, we were kind of dancing around it because... And Noel was basically like, yeah, we are, because you don't really want to talk about it too
1: much, because when you do, especially me being the guy on the podcast with two other women, yeah, it's an uncomfortable (laughs) subject to bring up. I fully admit it.
0: But I love the fact that that wasn't ever the problem. It was just when you're like, well, I don't think the necklace means it much. And
1: like, Alan and I were both like, what? (laughs) 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 Yes, and I fully concede. And I actually, that's a point that I want to take into consideration when I rewatch the film again. Because I do think I missed the point of it, and you guys clued me in onto what I was missing. Yay! Woohoo! So thank you.
0: You're, You're helping people! <laughs> I'm helping! I'm pretty sure this is the one where, and I'm like, if anyone ever wants to do... I don't think we're going to find anyone who's going to be like, no, we need to do I Spit on Your Grave. No. I don't think anyone's going to be like, we no. need to do that.
1: Yeah. We probably aren't going to be covering us, but we, we, yeah, we'll let let it rest with Last House on the left.
0: I'm like, I can't think of anybody who we'd want to discuss that movie with who would be like, hey, let's
1: do this movie. Who would want to discuss it with us.
0: Yeah. I'd like people that we'd want to discuss it with. They'd be
1: like, no. The people we don't want to discuss it with would be all over that. So yes, anyone who's expecting us to do I Spit on Your Grave, don't hold your breath. Yeah, if the stars line up right, that we come across someone who wants to discuss it, and we think they have a great viewpoint that we want to discuss it with them, maybe.
0: Yeah, but I'm like, this is like a big giant maybe. And last
1: Elden. house on the left is probably as far down that road as we're gonna go.
0: Yeah, I'm like this
1: is pretty much gonna be it.
0: But we're not want. gonna really be delving very far into want. the rape revenge genre. <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. It- do not want, just no. I feel only like we movie. need a group it's
1: hug right now. It's only a movie. <laughs> we really do. We have like, everyone just hug. I'm going to go hug my mom in a minute, actually. We need to like run out to like a playground or something. Just
0: Yeah, I'm like, I just, I want to go feel wonderment right now. I'm just going to
1: go like do something. That Let's go very... skip along a lake. Oh, wait, that happened in a lake. <laughs>
0: But you can't skip along, you can skip near
1: the... Along a lake shore, a lakeside.
0: They never skipped in the movie, we'll be fine.
1: (laughs) Though if they ever do another remake, we'll have to ruin skipping for everyone too.
0: Yay! Uh, We're monsters.
1: (laughs) So, I guess that brings our episode to a close. Thank you for joining us on this... On On this very, (laughs) very, very heavy subject. Thank you for making it to the end, Mac.
2: Ah, no problem. I had you guys as my water wings. (laughs) I swear I love you both. (laughs) Yeah, I I need to go shower. You are the wind beneath my water wings.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go cuddle up and sob in the corner of a hot shower. Oh, Noel, I meant to ask you, did cookies show up for you today? You sent me cookies? Well, I ordered them from Magnolia Bakery, so... Oh, that might have been the package that I got the notice for today.
0: Yep, because they are supposed to be delivered today, so...
1: Okay, I'll try to see if I can swing by the office tomorrow or Friday.
0: Because, yeah, cookies for you. Okay. I need cookies. Yeah, there you go. Go bust into the office now. Perfect timing.
1: You're like, I need my cookies. Yeah. So, anyways, to end this episode, because we still haven't ended yet... (laughs) (laughs) Good night, Evie. Good night. Tell her it's going to be okay. Tell her that help is coming. It's only
2: a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a
0: movie. You're both
1: monsters. To read show notes for this and every one of our episodes, please visit IHateLoveRemakes.blogspot.com The comment sections are open, so let us know what you think about the films discussed. I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. Madeoffail.net We were unpopular before it was cool. Tell her it's going to be okay. Tell her that help is coming. It's
2: only a movie. It's only a movie. It's only a movie.
1: You're both monsters. Uh, We'll cut there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, we made it through. Oh, thank God.
2: Congratulations to both of you. To us all. And
1: to you, darling, and to you.
2: I'm doing a flourishing bow here. If I were wearing a fedora, I would doff it.
1: Like, as soon as I, like, turn this off and step away from the computer, I'm just going to have, like, this shudder run through me. Yeah, it's (laughs) like, uh... Especially since I made the penis as the knife observation, which I was seriously (laughs) even like, oh, God, it really is, isn't it?
0: (laughs) It always is. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's true. Yeah, but this
1: one was more blatant about it.
0: Yeah, it, it really. True. This one, he may as well have just had a shirt that said, the knife is my penis.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I made my tweet about this is the first time in a long time I've actually prepared synopses for the show, JD responded, Noel, just saying I don't know some shit happens doesn't count as a synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does! Shut up! Don't tell me how to do my work. Oh, and did you see that uh, Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are doing a remake of Guys and Dolls?
0: Say what? I am totally fine with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm no, fine no, no. with I'm
2: those trying... actors. No, I'm trying to figure this combination out. What?
0: <laughs> I... They were in yeah. G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra together. They're friends from that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes
1: some sense. I can't sense. find any info about who's doing it. It might just
0: be still like in development and never. The studio
1: is trying to woo them to the project.
0: I'm all for Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing it because he'd actually be really good for it. But like Mm -hmm. I, him as Nathan Detroit, I'm all for that. But Channing Tatum, I'm like, "Uh, I don't uh, see you as the Marlon Brando role. (laughs) I don't. No one needs that.
2: My little sister came by and she actually dropped off some muffins and some banana bread that my mom made. And And sent along as a care
1: package. I love
2: my mom. Well, obviously I love my mom, but she's
1: awesome. I'm glad that we're all getting treats to get us through (laughs) the experience that was this episode.
0: Technically, I'm not.
1: Yeah, but you gave treats. Yay, me. It's so the
0: same thing.
1: It's not. I'm fine. The original film would have been a far less controversial movie had they handed out muffins at the end of each screening.
0: Agreed. I don't know. I think it would have just been really awkward.